0: We have already touched on, in series one, the fact that the way we make sense of the world is very much a choice. It's not forced upon us by some inescapable or irresistible force of the universe, by God or by science or by nature or by anything at all. We have chosen how we make sense of the world. We also saw in series one that other nations, other people, make different choices and therefore come to make sense of the world differently. And that shouldn't lead us to treat them as if they were mad, bad or sad, as we called it then, but to see them rather as having made different choices. One of the most striking differences between and I'm speaking, of course, in the broadest brushstrokes here, Western liberal democracies and the Soviet and Marxist-Leninist systems of Russia and China and other places in the world is the relative priority that they give to individuals and societies. Western liberal democracies, at least in their modern forms, it certainly would not have been true in their monarchical predecessors' times treat individuals as if they were as important as the state and broadly as more important than the state. There would be a general liberal consensus that states exist for the benefit of their citizens rather than the other way round. In a monarchy, citizens existed for the benefit of the king and the aristocracy, the rich, the powerful, even the famous. And until the 19th century, as is well known, the vast majority of the population would have received almost no education at all. So that levels of literacy around about the time of Napoleon, 1800 and so on, were very, very low, barely into double figures in percentage terms. But, that being so, the way we make sense of the world is our own way. You could argue, I won't pursue it here, that we each make sense of the world in a unique way and that is partly what defines our individuality. But certainly the way we make sense of the world exercises a constraining influence over what we regard as worth knowing, what we regard as knowledge and what we regard as truth. And has always been part of the purpose of education to transfer things like knowledge, wisdom, truth and the tradition and the culture to each new generation. And because our cultures are so rich and our knowledge is so vast and our brains take so long to mature that process takes the better part of 20 years if not considerably longer in many cases. So education is the dominant influence over us in our early years. That being so and given the problem that we identified in the first part of this episode how can the way we have made sense of the world that may be the the reason for many of the problems if not all the problems that we find ourselves surrounded by how can that way of making sense of the world regenerate itself if we educate out of that tradition well part of the answer of course is that rome wasn't built in a day and that these things don't happen in ways that are necessarily visible over short periods of time. One year leads to the next, and one might think that educational change and reform has very little impact on the general tone of our culture. But if we look over a longer period of time, if we, so to speak, zoom out using our earlier metaphor, we have come a very long way from the Dotherbys Hall-Wackford Squeers view of education that Dickens puts into Nicholas Nickleby. The great independent public schools of the 19th century, like Eton, were almost certainly dreadful places where senior boys bullied and abused junior boys and where adults played almost no part in the discipline of the school they must have been terrible places to live in but we survived they survived and we have changed and all of education now certainly in the united kingdom has an absolute prohibition on corporal punishment and we have now come to the state where we try as best we can to educate each individual in a way that is commensurate with their gifts and talents and abilities and interests. We bend over backwards, or at least we try to, to accommodate the particular difficulties of those who have some kind of limitation, whether it be mental or physical. And so the image of education in 2021 if we were to compare it with, say, 1821, would represent immeasurable progress, even if from year to year, and even more from day to day in the intervening 200 years, it would have been very difficult to see perceptible change. Of course, all kinds of social and political cataclysms have occurred in that, two-century period, not least two world wars. But it isn't insignificant that the extension of the franchise on the vote, first to more and more of the male population, and then at least in the United Kingdom from 1928, I think, to all women and men over 21, has been accompanied by and must have been accompanied by a similar extension of the educational franchise to all young people. So now we find that whereas once it would be a rarity for a member of the poorer classes, the people with less natural claim to the resources of the world to receive any education at all, everybody now receives an education which is one of the reasons, of course, why education is seen as the great liberator, the great equaliser, and one of the reasons why some of the more conservative-minded of our leaders are still not completely convinced that it's a good thing. However, we mentioned at the beginning that different cultures have made sense of the world in different ways. And they have done so by making different choices of goods and values. And in some states, particularly Marxist-Leninist states that follow on from a Hegelian philosophy, the state certainly is perceived as being more important than the individual. And if you look in Hegel's philosophy of right, you will find the most extraordinary assertion that the purpose of education is to eliminate all individuality and all the idiosyncrasies that attend each individual in order to render them all more or less the same and all more or less servants of the great spirit of the nation that Hegel thought to be the consummation of all things and in particular, of course, of Germany. Now, Marx took that over And that gave rise to a view where the control of the world was vested in parties who at least nominally treated the world and their state as that which was the guardian of the welfare of individuals, but more important than the welfare of those individuals which is why in both Stalin's Soviet Empire and in Mao's Chinese People's Republic, it was not felt to be unacceptable for literally millions of people to starve as a result of things like five-year plans and great leap forwards that simply didn't work because the deaths of individuals were treated as insignificant compared with the greater good and the advance of the nation. Well, be that as it may, the point that we are coming to, and we will turn to it in the next episode, is that the way we have made sense of the world cannot exercise an entirely controlling influence over what comes next. The Soviet and Chinese five-year plans and great leap forwards, and it still happens in China and Russia to this day, were based upon an assumption that the present could be used to control the future, that everything needed to be planned, and that that plan would ensure that control and power remained vested in a particular political elite. Contrast that to the view that sees the freedom of the individual and the innovativeness and the inventiveness and creativity and entrepreneurship of the individual as the source of national wealth and progress. And you can see how it is in a country where individuals are encouraged to challenge authority that educational systems will synchronize with political systems so that in a Western liberal democracy where we are encouraged to think for ourselves in schools we will encourage pupils to think for themselves or that at least is the theory. It doesn't happen, of course, universally. Whereas if you go to certainly the Soviet states and certainly China, you will find that education's purpose is primarily devised in terms of satisfying the needs of the political, economic, social system and supporting loyally the prevailing powers. And that involves the repression of Tendencies for individuals to express themselves by challenging authority and by generally rebelling against the prevailing ideology. How does that all connect with the way we make sense? Well, I think it's probably fairly obvious. If the way we have made sense of the world in the past is up for grabs, is open to challenge, if we are allowed to Attempt to unmake that sense then there is a chance that we will make progress contrast that with a totalitarian view that says that the way things are is the way things should be it's almost ironically in a sense taking over the point we make in the earlier series about the naturalistic fallacy that the way things are is indicative of the way things ought to be the communist leadership say the communist party is the only leadership that is good for the country and therefore it is treasonous to challenge its superiority and its appropriateness and its long-term control of the country. And this is therefore correspondingly treasonous to challenge all authority except where it merely gives rise to the kind of inventiveness that arises in technology or similar things. But because of the synchronization of educational and political systems, you can't have one without the other. A political system that represses educational rebelliousness will also repress educational inventiveness which is why the Soviet and Chinese economies have always needed to send their brightest and best students abroad because they couldn't find the regenerative energy that they needed inside their own systems. So what do we infer? We infer that the way we have made sense of the world and the different ways in which we have made sense of the world will either encourage rebelliousness, encourage dissent, encourage argument and challenge of authority that can give rise to an unmaking of sense before we find a new way to make sense, or we will find a repressive regime that does everything it can to prevent that very regenerative process from happening.